0: we all have dreams but dreams by their very nature can be difficult to achieve that's where access credit union comes in whether it's going to college owning a car or building your dream home your local credit union can help you to fulfill your dreams access credit union funding dreams for over 50 years
1: <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy 22.99. No feeling,
0: cannot, no to in and in a Christy Cooney hands over
1: the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham County, Cork All Ireland champions, for the seventh time.
2: Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor, Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder, as always, to our viewers and listeners to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union is well known for supporting local West Cork sport at all levels and we look forward to telling that story throughout the summer and beyond access credit union funding dreams for over 50 years on this week's podcast we're going to chat to rising irish mma star Dee begley who hails from bantry begley picked up her first pro win at a recent Clan wars event in belfast and she spoke to us about that fight training at Sbg in dublin with john kavanagh and her ambitions ...to reach the UFC. And in part two, we'll be chatting to Cork and Mornabi footballer... ...Chiro Sullivan, after Efi Fitzgerald's side... ...booked their place in the league final... ...with a win over Donegal last weekend. But we're going to start with rugby this week... ...following the news that West Cork duo... ...Gavin Coombs and Finian Witcherly ...have been added to Andy Farrell's Ireland squad... ...for the upcoming Summer Internationals... ...against Japan and the USA. Kieran, this, I assume... Is simply the next phase in the grand plan for West Cork rugby to eventually take over the entire sport.
1: One hundred percent, Jack. You put the nail on the head again. Um, this is the next step on the total world domination by West Cork rugby players. But what great news for Gavin Coombs and Fionn Witchley, two of the two of the finest young sports stars to come out of West Cork in 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 recent time, and they both have really made their mark with Munster over the last couple of years. Um, it's no secret that Gavin Coombs has been the breakout star with Munster this past season. He's finished it with 15 tries. That included four tries against Zebra in the Pro 14 Rainbow Cup um, last Friday night, which was an, an incredible haul. And he's just had an absolutely sensational season. So it's a fitting reward for, for Gavin Coombs, who obviously came up to the ranks with Skibberin Rugby Club and Ben Legramer he went to as well. And obviously, then, Finneen Witcherly has been on the scene for the last couple of years with Munster as well. And he's a, he's had another very, very strong season. So it's, for both of them, and they're both 23 years old, it's the next step in their careers. Both have before been called into the Ireland's senior squads for, for training, uh, but this is the first time that they've been called up proper and their imminent chance of winning caps. So... Like you said earlier, it's for the Vodafone Summer Series, and that's on in July. So there's a game against Japan on Saturday, July 3rd at the Viva Stadium. And then seven days later, on July 10th, Ireland are playing the USA again at the Viva Stadium. Um, for West Cork Sport fans, both games will be live on RTE television. So hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed that we'll see Gavin Coombs and Fanine Witchley both make their Ireland debuts in one of those games Um, hopefully they'll feature in both of those games Just on that point then Kieran,
2: sorry do you know i seen that Andy Farrell I think named a squad of 37 um, provisionally so what's your actual sense of how likely it is that we're going to see either men make an appearance surely at least as a substitute we'll be expecting to have new West Cork rugby internationals
1: You'd think so because with the Lions um, series going on as well kicking off quite soon you've a few Irish lads involved in that so there's opportunities there and I think Andy Farrell needs to use these two games to have a look at some of the younger guns there are 10 uncapped players named in that 37-man squad so it's games against the USA and Japan and it's a chance to give these guys their 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 debut at test level to see how they get on to see how they find their feet because Ireland really need to be really need to start planning towards the next World Cup you know with CJ Stander gone now There's a CJ standard size hole, both in Munster and in Ireland. And Gavin Coombs is the man tipped to replace or to fill that number eight jersey um, with both teams. So of the two, of Gavin and Fennine, you would think that Gavin is probably a bit closer to getting his debut than than Fennine. But that said, Fennine was called into the Irish squad last October before the the Six Nations. That was before Gavin was called in. So Fennine is obviously in Andy Farrell's thoughts as well. So hopefully both will get... uh, to make their Ireland senior debuts because they've both proved over the last couple of seasons with Munster that they're definitely good enough. And I think now is the time for Andy Farrell to give these guys a chance, give them their Ireland debuts and see how they get on.
2: Yeah, it's a really exciting time for West Cork rugby. We've spoken about it a lot on the podcast over the last year or so and just how many West Cork rugby players are making an impact both at a provincial and international level level in both the men's and women's games so I think on next week's podcast we might dedicate even more time to speaking about Finneen and Gavin but we'll park that there for now and coming up in just a moment we're going to chat to rising Irish MMA star Dee Begley
0: The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years.
2: Bantry MMA star Dee Begley finally got her pro career back up and running with an emphatic TKO win over Indra Davis at a Clan Wars event in Belfast the weekend before last. The bout was the first female professional fight hosted by the promotion and Begley came out on top, finishing her opponent in the second round. We're going to hear from Dee in just a moment, but Kieran, you you've spoken to her before as well. She's a very impressive woman, isn't she?
1: Uh, exactly, Jack. Um, I suppose Deirdre has a background in kickboxing too, and she's um, with Westcott Kickboxing Club based in Skibbereen. That's the club that's given us world champions like Lily Delacour and Tony Stevenson. And Deirdre is a very talented kickboxer too. Even going back to the 2016 WACO she, Senior European Kickboxing Championships, she won a silver medal there, and then she brought home a bronze from the Senior World Championships in Budapest a year later. So. From that alone, you can see as a kickboxer, she was top class, world class, international class. And she's, as you know now, she's ventured into the world of MMA. Um, and by talking to her, Jack, she seems to be well on the road for a, a fairly good career in that too, is she?
2: Yeah, well, she's training in the right place. She's at SBG in Dublin with the famed coach John Kavanagh, who obviously rose to prominence as Conor McGregor's lead trainer. So she's in the right place to try and... Chase her dream, which is to eventually pick up a UFC world title. And she has it all pretty well mapped out for herself as well. She plans to have two more fights this year, hopefully, three more in the first half of next year. So she reckons if she can get to around five and one or six and one, she's currently one and one. So one win, one loss. She thinks if she can get to five and one or six and one by the end of next year, the UFC will come calling. So she needs to put herself in that position. That's the goal she set herself. And after speaking to her for the bones of 40 minutes last night, I'd be very slow to doubt her ambitions. So um I started by asking her how she dealt with 21, 21 months out of the cage after all fights across Ireland and gyms were closed down because of COVID-19 so Dee after a bit of a delay you finally got your pro MMA career back up and running with an emphatic TKO win over Indra Davis at a Clan Wars event in Belfast just last weekend first of all congratulations and secondly how did it feel to be back in the cage and to have your hand raised for the first time as a professional
3: thanks Jack um yeah no I was absolutely delighted do you know with such a, a long break um, everything couldn't have gone better and I kind of surprised myself with how calm I was kind of considering I'd had the break for so long Um, you know walking into the cage I thought I'd be a lot more full of nerves um, but no everything everything went great um, all of the prep and the training you know it felt like you know obviously I was still a bit nervous but you know nothing i couldn't handle and yeah everything came together on the night
2: it was um it was brilliant and um i unfortunately haven't been able to find any footage of the finish as yet i've been trawling through youtube today but i know your opponent was of a decent standard because i found some of her previous fights so she had plenty of experience in martial arts as a whole could you maybe describe just for the listeners how you got her out of there and how you finished the the fight
3: so it was a second round t k o so the first round was you know a lot of it was um you know, I was striking and Indra did a good job of kinda breaking down the distance and you know I suppose keeping me kind of against the cage for maybe i i want to say it wouldn't have been half the round, but um she she put like great pressure on and she came out swinging, she looked um a bit nuts and burnister she she had the the game face on. And then, you know, the second round I came out and I just felt like my fitness was so much better than hers. And like because I looked across the cage after the end of the first and I was like, I don't feel anyway like how she looks. So um, you know, I felt really good. So, you know, in the second round, um there I had a lot of confidence going into it. I felt very fresh and I think I was able to judge the distance a bit better. So all the shots I was throwing um you know just landed like flush so it was it was great
2: now I don't want to dwell on the last year too much and the lockdowns that we've all experienced in Ireland and around the world but just briefly for a fighter being in a gym is so important just being around other fighters being able to speak to your coaches just being able to hang out with like-minded people it keeps you balanced it keep it makes life easier essentially is what I'm trying to say so for a fighter who had just had their first professional fight, essentially, I think you mentioned before we started recording, your, pre, your first fight was 21 months ago, and now this was your second fight as a professional. So that's nearly two years. How have you personally found the period where you weren't able to, to train or fight for that matter?
3: so it was um the the first lockdown obviously no one was able to do anything and you know I I actually I was down home in Bantry and I did a lot of you know I I like kept myself fit I can't say I kept myself in great shape but I kept myself fit the fitness didn't go anywhere and I was out training my sister and stuff so that was great and it kind of tied me over it kept me a bit sane And you know everyone was in the same boat, so I really couldn't, you know, complain. There was nobody able to train, and then um, because I was luckily enough, you know, I had turned professional, so um, I was able to train from June of last year. Um, Obviously, not anywhere near the same way that I, you know, usually would, but I've been able to train. I've been able to train my training partners, so you know. like a lot of time and it do it did it took a lot of discipline to um, keep training because we didn't really have anything um, to train for you know it's just this big you know dream of like you know the future but you know there was no like short term like of a fight in a few months or a few weeks and even there was kind of um, I had almost a fight lined up last August and the similar kind of same opponent different show in September November and the shows went ahead but um my opponents just kept pulling out so unfortunately um I wasn't active before Christmas and then you know we tried really hard because shows in Europe started kind of continuing you know from January of this year um and like luckily enough like I've you know Indra took the fight in Belfast and I was you know, it was convenient enough. I was able to, you know, drive up the road to Belfast and, you know, have my second pro fight. So, you know, in a way it was, it was great. And then in another way, it's like, you know, I I want to kind of continue with this momentum and get another fight as soon as possible. So they're hoping to have me in seven weeks time on Clan Wars again in Belfast. And it's kind it is just kind of a matter of will they be able to find an opponent Um, will somebody say yes? Will they take the fight? And you know, will they be able to fly someone in from the UK or from Europe? Because Indra kind of was my only option really at this stage in Ireland to fight. So, yeah, so hopefully, fingers crossed, the matchmakers get something done and I'll be fighting again in seven weeks on Clan Wars.
2: But just on that point about Clan Wars, because I was listening to an interview you did before the fight um, on uh, an MMA YouTube channel today, and they had mentioned how this was the first professional female fight that that promotion has ever held. So quite yourself and Indra trailblazers to some degree. But could you just maybe give us a sense for the uninitiated? Um, what's the actual scene like in Ireland for professional MMA fighters at the minute? Is there much of a scene? Or are as you said, you're looking at flying in, opponents from the UK and is that something that you might have to do as you progress.
3: Yeah, so um even at amateur to be honest Jack like a lot of my uh, opponents I think I fought two Irish girls out of my 10 amateur fights. You know, I fought in Dubai, I fought in Bahrain, I fought in the UK and you know so it is quite, you know, difficult to get opponents. I think, you know, in the last few years even in the last two years since I've turned pro there's a lot more opportunity for girls um in Ireland at amateur to fight other amateur girls at the same weight and and it's great it's really up and coming um like that for myself Nindra you know I'd say she probably had the same issue as me you know finding an but um so yeah more than likely my next opponent won't be from ireland she uh she'll be from europe from from the uk and like that's what i'm saying it's so lucky it's a shame that we couldn't have a crowd because like my fights in ireland will be few and far between kind of from now on so if in seven weeks time they're able to have a small crowd in belfast i'd love it i'd love for my you know, parents to be able to come up and see me fight, um, you know, my friends and stuff. So look, it's probably unrealistic, but if it was, um, because yeah, more than likely in the future, um, most of my fights will be Europe, the US.
2: Um, if you could just indulge us for a few minutes, um, Dee, I want to just quickly ask you about the D Begley backstory, because I think a lot of our listeners will be interested to know how someone from Bantry has began forging a career in professional MMA and I think a lot of Southern Star readers will possibly be familiar with your name because Kieran had covered the West Cork Kickboxing Club for years you would have been involved there with Ian Kingston and the team so could you maybe give us a bit of Dee Begley backstory how did you go from kickboxing in West Cork to becoming a bright star for the future of Irish MMA yeah
3: so i say, yeah, like you said, a lot of people probably know I started off from a young age. You know, I was seven or eight starting kickboxing down in West Cork. And I'm, I'm still, you know, competing in kickboxing with, you know, how few MMA fights are kind of coming around. If it suits, you know, I will I will compete in kickboxing to stay busy. Um, how I got started in the MMA. So like, obviously, you know, I went from being eight, you know, I grew up in Bantry, kickboxed. You know every summer and it and it was it was my life I literally went to you know school i did a a good few other sports when I first you know kind of i was doing cross country running basketball g a a tag rugby um and a load of kind of other other stuff, and they all kind of fell away at like when I started you know competing internationally with the kickboxing, and I just fell in love with it so I went to um I obviously went to secondary school that's great and then when I went to college you know the kickboxing gyms in Cork like they just aren't like none of the coaches I knew like were like
4: I couldn't compare
3: any of them to Ian Ian in my opinion is like the best kickboxing um coach in Ireland you know so it was hard and you know so I didn't f- find another gym that I would like to train out of kickboxing because so, I was traveling home as well at weekends to train with Ian. So I said I'd try and I was always kind of like uh, more of a boxing style in kickboxing. I wasn't the biggest kicker. So I joined the college um, boxing team and, you know, I myself and uh, Lily Delacour both joined. So we were boxing there for a while and um, they wouldn't let us fight at a novice level. In the even though it was our first ever boxing fights, so um, we flew over to the UK for the Haringey Box Cup. Um, I've two um, Irish third level boxing elite, so the like the university kind of college um, nationals. I've two elite med- uh, gold medals from that, and then I took part in. Uh, kind of irish universities versus english universities tournament so i won that as well and you know so it was a great like for me having you know grown up doing kickboxing but kind of preferring the punching aspect of it and um, it was great to be doing so well in the boxing and
2: and for cast- listener for listeners who don't know sorry to cut across you the Haringey box cup is the elite elite of amateur yeah, competition so they- in the uk so you were obviously competing at yeah. the highest level in that sport as well
3: yeah so I like I went over and I I didn't do too badly like um I fought a girl she was from I think she was on the Swedish national team but um she beat me anyway but like you know I was well able to hold my own so it was um a great experience it was brilliant um really eye-opening but you know if maybe if like life was different I would have been this super like national boxer but we won't dwell on that (laughs) but uh you know the captain of the UCC boxing um team was Aaron McGuire and he owns his own MMA gym in Cork so I started with him and BJJ Cork uh Liam Beechner up there so you know, and they wouldn't let me do any striking when I joined the MMA gym. they were like, no, you're not allowed. You're doing like 100 mount escapes, 100 half guard escapes, like everything defensive, you know, for jujitsu. So, you know, and then I just kind of I hated it at the start because you went from being amazing at one martial arts to being like a complete white belt beginner. And it was really humbling. And I just kept going back, kept going back. I was getting submitted strangled by like tiny people like or like you know it was it was just hilarious um so I just kept going back and I just I loved the MMA uh I don't know what exactly I could say I loved about it but like the wrestling I just took naturally to it and the guys were just brilliant so I had a really really enjoyable um kind of introduction to MMA and then kind of once I'd had my first two amateur fights I was like, OK, like, you know, I, I love this. Like, what's the next step? Like, I kind of knew at that stage, I was like, look, I I want to turn pro in the future. And I kind of discussed it with um, uh, my boyfriend and like my my now fiance. But he was kind of saying, look, you need to take it seriously. It's not like kickboxing. It is that bit more vicious. It's a bit more, you know, you're more likely to get injured. And they're, yeah, the stakes are a bit higher. You know, they're four ounce gloves. They're tiny gloves. So we kind of made the decisions, look, I'll do ten amateur fights, see how we get on, you know, and we'll I'll call it then you know see see whether I still want to turn pro um so I did the ten amateur fights, I did unbelievably well. I finished up my career uh with a seven and three record, um two of my losses were at the world amateur Championships um one was here in Ireland in Cork uh an armbar that I didn't tap to which shouldn't have been stopped but we'll get over that and uh so yeah and my my last expedition kind of to the worlds I came away with a bronze medal so I knew I was like elite level MMA you know even as an amateur I, I knew I was and then I had my final fight over in Dubai so um and kind of at that point I, I kind of already said look John I'm, I'm turning pro and like that that that's when it kind of all kind of became a lot more maybe real so I moved I, I probably should have said I moved from Cork to Dublin in 2017 um so it was just before I competed in my first uh MMA world championships and it was kind of the decision that like that I only had one other girl to train with in MMA Cork and she was a good bit younger than me and you know I just wanted to take it seriously so I texted a girl Danny Nealon who I was actually supposed to be fighting but she got injured and pulled out and I just said look are there many girls in your gym like um would John train me and he was like look he's really busy he might not even answer your, your message but it's worth messaging him so John was over with connor for just
2: just to give listeners um a bit of background the john you're referencing is of course coach john kavanagh who uh, has guided conor mcgregor's uh, ascent to the top of the world of mma and runs probably the most successful european mma gym which is the spg in dublin so you got in touch with john yeah
3: so i got in touch with john i just kind of sent him a message sent him kind of like a brief history of like my like uh martial arts career and i said look i'm looking to join your gym i'm moving up in september i'm going to the mma worlds um you know can i train at your gym and in fairness to him he couldn't have been better like he was over for the mayweather fight and he was like d i'm away at the moment um call away up start training immediately like don't worry about it any, anything like you know we'll sort it all out when i'm back So I was like, look, there's no panic. I wasn't going to be moving up until he was back anyway. So I moved up the first night. I was staying at my cousin. I had no house. I didn't know Dublin at all. I didn't know where I was. I was staying in Ringsend trying to get out to um, the Nace Road. I was asking John, who had obviously not taken a bus in like years, how to get a (laughs) bus to where I was viewing a house. So then, yeah, but it all kind of fell into place. You know, it was um, John was brilliant. The first house I saw was great, took it. So I kind of got set up very fast um, in Dublin. It was great. And then, you know, I've been here now um, almost almost four years. And yeah, it was the best decision I ever made because there's so many girls up here for me to train with the likes of Sinead Kavanagh Danny Nealon, um Katie Saul, she fights for invicta so it's really high level girls um so they've really like you know i feel at this stage now we've all brought each other on but definitely initially they they brought me on to you know a really high level like really really fast so um
2: so some of those names you mentioned that you're now able to train with the likes of Sinead Kavanagh who i know is one of the the premier female mixed martial artists in the world she has competed at the likes of yeah. bellator and um i seen you mention in the same interview i watched today that you've actually sparred with her on occasion or you train to get her regularly yeah. and i guess I, that's was only, good... I was
3: doing rounds with her this morning like she's a tough cookie like do
2: how do you find yourself when you're sparring with her do you feel like you're at that level or oh, you're getting yeah. towards yeah. that level yeah.
3: No, I'm 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 definitely at that level. Like uh, Sinead, though, like she's a tough cookie, cookie. Like she'll give everyone a hard time. Um, she trains how she fights, so it is. Uh, she's a tough training partner. But like she has definitely made me. You know, I think I was so calm going into my fight because I even said it to her today at the gym. Um, I was so calm going into the ring because I was like, no one will hit me as hard as Sinead will hit me. <laughs> so I was like, I had no issues there. I was like, I can take whatever punches this girl is going to throw at me. So, and so uh,
2: you're 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 training with the likes of Sinead. You're under the tutelage of John Kavanagh, the most famous uh, mixed martial artist, arts trainer in Ireland and probably the world, really, uh, all told because of his association with a certain Conor McGregor. And you're training alongside the best of the best every day. And just as thing I noted when I was watching your fights back on YouTube today, they always mention, or at least sometimes the MC mentions in the introduction, she's representing SBG Dublin, which is obviously a huge badge of pride for yourself, I imagine. But does it come with an added pressure for yourself when you know that you're boxing or fighting under the SBG banner? Do you ever feel like you are, in a good way or a bad way, that you have to really live up to lofty expectations because people I assume always think if you're fighting, if you're fighting out of SBG, you are the bee's knees.
3: Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it, it's associated from like, you know, the gym, like obviously I'm like really proud to be, and I look like, I'm very proud to represent the gym. So I do have that, like, you know, um, very, very proud to be representing the gym. And yes, of course. And it's, it's not a pressure of the gym name, it's more doing, um, you know, my coaches, you know, that that I'm showing that all the time and effort and like, you know, dedication they put into me and my training that it hasn't gone to waste. So that was my biggest thing for this fight. I just felt like I went in there, everything we'd worked on um, either worked or I just everything, you know, I just saw the massive leap I've taken in the last year and a half. Um, you know, and I was, I was so kind of confident in the prep and all the prep we'd done in the gym with my training partners and everything. I, I knew I was like, I wasn't walking out of that cage without a win, you know? And so I was able to stay composed because all the work had been done. There was no what if, buts, or maybes. Oh, if I'd done this, I just knew that I'd done everything I could possibly could. And, um, you know, and when you have your coaches telling you is like, D, you're you're not going to have um an issue if you perform the way you've been performing in the gym the last few weeks then you know it's it's all going to come together on the night and that's exactly what happened so um no it was great like and yes like sbg it's like i i don't even you know it's it's like um you know they've really welcomed me with open arms like the girls inside there you know did my hair the day before the fight they were all there like when i weighed in and you know everyone was just like it's you know a real close knit kind of community up there and yeah it's a, it's just just a great place for me to be and it and it's perfect everyone's so supportive so like cuz like it being an individual sport it can probably be you know maybe for some people in different gyms a bit lonely but i i've never felt like that it, there's a really great like team atmosphere so um yeah no very like yeah and it is it's it's massive to be able to say that like you know I train in SBG Ireland with you know alongside all these amazing fighters you know um, and yeah it's great just very happy
2: and before we move on from the SBG connection I can't have you on without asking the obvious question about the notorious Conor McGregor and any interactions you've had with him because obviously from the outside looking in we all see the braggadocious um, showman when he's building up the fights and that's the reason he's had the success he had but I always um get the feeling that when he's in the gym when he's training he's a completely different man he's the totally focused athlete so what's your experience been with him
3: totally focused and he's an absolute gentleman like you know like if i like i'm doing rounds in the like if i'm doing sparring rounds in the cage you know he'll he's standing there watching like he's obsessed he is he's obsessed with it but he'll stand there watching you he'll shout you some advice like he's you know, anytime I see him in the gym, it's like Heidi, hi, Connor, like he's just, you know, I'm not going to say I like have seen him like, especially in the last, you know, probably year and a half, two years. I probably haven't seen him as much as when I initially moved to the gym. He was around the gym a lot more, um, but he's been fighting less, so he hasn't um, been around. But uh, anytime he is, he's like, he's a pleasure, like, you know, he's a bit of a laugh as well. You can joke with him. So it's it's good.
2: I can, Im- I can imagine now um, just before we wrap up, there's just one other thing I wanted to ask you about. And it's just, I mentioned I was on a, a, a D Begley YouTube, um, binge all day today. So I watched um, a lot of the videos that you've been in and there was one promotion video that you made with one of your sponsors, Jim plus coffee, which uh, yeah. I thought was a very good video, but you spoke about in the past, um, struggling with issues of self-confidence, which I think uh, everyone will have experienced at some stage in their life. But obviously for a fighter, um, that's a, a, a big one to have to deal with because if you doubt yourself, yeah. I assume it, it's not going to go well. So I kind of just wanted to touch on that and see how that has progressed over time because I know that video was three years ago. Yeah. Or is it something that you still... Um, Deal we, we all deal with it at some level I guess
3: I've I've made massive kind of leaps and bounds with my confidence over the last few years and a lot of it was you know I was quite um especially growing up I would have you know like like most people like you you care what other people think and for me as an athlete all I cared about was like results and um any like you know I was the best in ireland i was but like when i competed in in europe and i competed in um the worlds i always just like fell up short and i you know even in school and stuff i i never would have been like i might have appeared to be like i don't think i ever appeared to be overly confident but i like like you know i'd always put on a happy face even if something wasn't like you know 100% okay and i think For me, a big thing was um, just I depended on other people too much, what they thought. And, you know, when I moved to Dublin for the MMA and it was moving away from my friends, um, my boyfriend, my family, it was kind of like a big, you know, risk. And I did, you know, go through a period of being like, you know, overthinking and, you know, being anxious, like, what if this doesn't work out? What if myself and my boyfriend break up? You know, am I going to be able to see my family as often? Like, am I going to hate it? You know, so there were all these things, and like, oh, what do people think about me doing MMA? Because like I work like in the in the kind of financial sector, and there is that kind of like, you know, um everyone's so dressed up and so kind of polished that like, you know, you wouldn't see <clears throat> MMA as being something. That you know someone you work with is into, so I did kind of meet a lot of people who you know not that they were ever rude, but they just may not have agreed with what I was doing um so I kind of like over the last few years have had to be very sure in myself, and with m m a that like like I said, there is that whole risk and there's that whole um you know the the stakes are a lot higher, you can get injured like badly. So I needed to be 100% sure I was doing it for the right reasons. I was doing it for me. I wasn't doing it for anyone else. I wasn't doing it for other people's perception of me. So, you know, I can kind of happily say now that I am, you know, I'm not thinking about anyone else or what they think about me as much as I used to purely because you know it's like you know you only have one life so if you spend half of it thinking about what other people and you know you're not going to do everything you want to do like if I cared too much I probably wouldn't have moved to Dublin I wouldn't be where I am now so and you know I probably would have just stayed in my nine to five like I'm still in my nine to five sorry. but I probably would have just stayed in the nine to five in Cork and just been like and and you know I would have stayed like a nine to five training whereas like I had to go up to my boss and be like look I I need to work different hours I need to be able to go training and you know it like it it took I kept having to push for things so as I was pushing for things even with sponsors like Gym Plus Coffee were brilliant they've been onto it but like you know it, it can get quite expensive as you're kind of training more you need more supplements you need more recovery you need to like go see chiropractors physios And it's just something that like, you know, at the start, I would have had to pay myself. And like, I just had to like build my confidence to be like, you are good enough. You need to go ask these people. Can they help you, you know, out with supplements, sponsorships? And it was just taking that leap. And then like, you know, um, everyone, you know, like as the support from other people kind of grew then, I suppose, you know, I started letting You know, like, look, these people believe in me like I believe in myself, like and we're getting that ball rolling. So, you know, even by doing like interviews like this, you know, I, you know, it's always kind of like that affirmation that I'm doing everything for the right reasons. So it's very easy to be confident about it when like I know how hard I'm working at it and how much time and effort and discipline I kind of have towards it um so that was kind of the biggest thing it's not like not going around thinking about what other people think about what I'm doing and giving it 100% and leaving no doubt so like if I had you know slacked off my training or I was going out like drinking with friends weeks coming up to the fight or if I was doing stuff like that then like maybe I would have felt a lot more nervous going into my fight but because everything I did everything perfect I did textbook everything my nutritionist said I did it so it's very easy to be confident when you've all the work put in um, ahead of it.
2: Brilliant stuff well some great messages in there for any young up-and-coming athletes in West Cork who are dealing with some of their own self-confidence issues at the moment last question then Dee before we wrap and thanks a million you've been so good with your time but I just wanted to ask what is next for Dee Begley I know you mentioned you have a fight in seven weeks but kind of give us a sense of what's your ultimate ambition in the sport you're obviously in the right place to reach those ambitions but what are those ambitions so
3: the the ultimate goal is to be um champion of the ufc i'm not going to say that it's just to be in the ufc because you know to be in this sport you need to like want the what like for me the ufc is the mma equivalent of the olympics so i'm like you know that's you know if I was competing in a sport that like was in the Olympics then that's what I would be saying so that's what I want I want to be a champion of the UFC I want to be the best in the world because I know I am that level um I know I how disciplined I am and I'm I'm well able to do it so you know yeah like the next few years are going to tell a lot um obviously I I want kind of uh to get a few wins kind of knocked off you know i i think if i go to 4 and 1 5 and 1 then like you know the that ufc door will open so that that's the plan get another i i'd love to have another two or three fights this year three is probably reaching and um, two is definitely achievable so if i went to um you know uh 2 and 1 3 and 1 this year that would be great and then have two fights two or three fights next year and like, you know, it start next year and just really, you know, that, that, that's the plan. That's the plan.
2: Well, it sounds like a brilliant plan and we all hope that you can achieve it and bring the UFC championship back to Bantry. What a story that I'm would mad. be. Uh, yeah, D, thanks a million for your time and uh, best wishes with the rest of the year.
0: Very good. Thanks, Jack. We all have dreams, but dreams by their very nature can be difficult to achieve. That's where Access Credit Union comes in. Whether it's going to college, owning a car or building your dream home, your local credit union can help you to fulfill your dreams. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years.
2: The Cork ladies footballers booked their place in the final of the National Football League with victory over Donegal in a high-scoring affair in Toome last weekend. In a moment, we're going to hear from Cork and Moorn Abbey's Kira O'Sullivan. But Kieran, what's the latest on Efi Fitzgerald's charges? How have they been looking in the league so far this season?
1: So far, so good, you'd have to say, Jack. They're through now to the league final where they'll play Dublin again um the weekend after this. Um, Cork and Dublin were involved in an absolute cracker in Parky creeve there a couple of weeks back in the group stages. That's a game where Dublin came out on top but it was a very, very tight game. And Cork really, really pushed Dublin all the way. And this is a Dublin team that has won the last couple of All-Irelands and have had the Indian sign over Cork. So Cork are playing catch-up in terms of, of trying to topple this Dublin team who will be chasing a fifth All-Ireland senior title in a row this summer. So um, Cork went into last weekend's semi-final against Donegal. And to be fair, it was probably a 50-50 game because... Um, Cork were coming off the back of a less than impressive performance away to Waterford down in fairfield in Dungarvan. Cork won that game, but they weren't convincing. Um, but Cork got the job done against Donegal. They got five goals, which was which was superb, and um, they won five ten to 13 It was a real goal fest in Tum last Saturday. So the end result is that Cork are through to the league final and another shot at Dublin, but almost. Well, it'd be a great chance for Cork to lay down a, a sign to Dublin if they can beat them in the league final. But in terms of preparation for the championship, it's another good game to get. It's a high-intensity game with a lot at stake. It's 100 times better than any challenge game you'll you, you get. And it's a chance, too, for, for Cork to see how close they are to this Dublin team. Because make no bones about it, Dublin will be the team to beat in the championship. And... Um, you'll hear now from Ciara O'Sullivan soon that the Cork, uh, Cork are quite confident that they have what it takes to the to top of the dubs. And to be fair, Jack, Kira has been in sensational form so far in the league this year. We're joined now on the podcast by Cork football star Kira O'Sullivan. And uh, Ciara, before we chat about the weekend's win against Donegal, and look ahead to the the league final against dublin just want to say huge congratulations you won the pwc gpa player of the month award for May. congrats thanks very much yeah it was a nice honor and i think particularly because it was the
4: the first one for ladies football in camogie so um definitely um won't complain a uh, nice recognition and was delighted with it
1: you've racked up plenty of awards over the years what's it like to win a personal accolade like that
4: Um, I suppose maybe as as you get older, maybe you appreciate it a bit more. But like, I suppose I'm playing a team sport, and I play a team sport because I enjoy the team dynamic, and I enjoy playing with others. And I think you know, while winning awards like that are nice, it is all about the team, and that's that's what we've always been saying. You know, it doesn't matter who's getting on the scoreboard, it doesn't matter who's um who's setting up the the scores or whatever that once they're getting on the board for for us we'll be happy. So while it is nice recognition, it is all about the team. And I think um we've really been showing that this year throughout the campaign so far.
1: You've been in terrific form for Cork, hence the the player of the month award and you continued that against Donegal last weekend. But to look at your role for a second, Kira, as as center forward. What's changed about your game this year? Because you seem to be getting on the ball more in the opposition's 45. Whereas before, maybe you would have dropped deeper to collect the ball, but you seem now to be more on the front foot. Um, has your role changed? Is it a specific kind of change this year? Um, yeah, I suppose what could you could say what has changed is that I
4: listen to management a bit more because they have they have been encouraging me to to stay up in the forward line a bit more. But I suppose I do struggle a bit with that in terms of if if your back attacks, I'd find it very hard not to to track them or not to to track back and help. But I'm being encouraged to do that. So it has it has been a, a bit of a change for me to to try and stay up and and not go back as much as maybe I would have previously. Um, but it, it has been a conscious um thing, I suppose, for management to to tell me to do that. And um I think I have been doing it all. Day. I think I got a kick out um from Martina on Sunday, so or yeah Saturday, so no doubt i will hear about that Wednesday night. But other than that, I have been mainly staying forward. So um yeah, I think you know as a centre forward, your your role is to to stay up in the forward line and try create as much as possible. And um, I think I've been a bit more focused on that maybe than tracking back as much as I might have done previously.
1: And the evolution of your role over the years, like you said, now you're kind of trying to stay up in the forward line, but you have been all over the pitch. Have you have you found yourself that 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 your role has evolved and changed over the years?
4: Um, I don't know. I think no matter, like, even in two thousand eight when we started, and up to now, like, your role has always been to to work as hard as you can. And like, I I played for a good few years in on wing forward. And I suppose that does lean itself to to tracking back a bit more and working up and down a bit more. And maybe when I was a bit younger, I I enjoyed that role a bit more. But um, yeah, I don't like I I, I honestly think wing forward is probably one of the the hardest positions on the team in in the modern game and particularly in ladies football. So I'm um, I'm quite happy to be in in the centre and holding holding the forward line a bit more. But I don't think it has evolved that much. Maybe just that the fact that I used to play wing and now play centre forward. I suppose that's the, the biggest change I'd noticed. But as I said, from from right from when we were there with Eamon all the way through to Efi now, it's always been about wherever you're playing, working as hard as you can and, and doing what you can for the team. So in that sense, I think my role is is the same.
1: Yourself and Orla Finn have both been in, in top form for Cork. Um, and when you consider, too, Kira, that you've been missing a couple of, you could call them regular forwards in the last couple of years. So, like, your, yourself and Orla have to take on even more responsibility. I was looking there, obviously, Saoirse Noonan is focusing on soccer. Anya Terry has been injured. Diron has been injured. Um so the likes of yourself and Orla, so did you actually feel that you have to take on that extra responsibility because you have those younger players Then you've saw even Emma Cleary indoors, so you have to kind of help them find their feet at this level?
4: Um, to be honest, what i found this year um, all over the team, but I suppose I'm more focused on the forwards, is the, the competition for places. So I think maybe speaking for both me and Orla, we're just glad to get on and wherever it is. And, and we realise that you know, just because we've been there a good few years or we're that bit older doesn't mean we're entitled to to start in any game. So I don't think we'd be viewing it as taking on more responsibility. I think we're just trying to to get our place to start to, to help the team and then anything you can do once you are, you know, named to start and help others and bring them in. And you do have the case like we Katie Quirk, who started against um, Watford and did brilliantly. And obviously you're going to have maybe a bit more nerves for her um in her in her first start than than we would have. But um I think it's about just trying to to relax those players and bring them into the game because you know they're all very, very capable and um good enough to be on any inter-county team. So I think for, for me, Orla, for all the forwards, it's just about trying to to get on that starting six because it's getting it's getting very hard. And when you mentioned the likes of Duran and Terry to to come back in from injury, like we'll all be grasping to, to hold on to that jersey so it should be should be exciting over the next few weeks
1: I know it's almost almost a cliche to say about competition for places but when you look at the Cork team over the last couple of games Efi has made changes in nearly every game and that just highlights the strength and depth you have at the moment and you're touching it there Kira. like there's fierce competition for places at the moment
4: there is and like I, I obviously was speaking of the forwards there, but in the back line, like you you had Emma Spillane playing wing forward the last day, you have Marie Ambos coming back from injury, you know, um Claire O'Shea doing brilliantly when she came in, Maeve Callan doing brilliantly when she came in. It's just frightening the the competition for places. Um and that's throughout the team. Like um we've I suppose Eve Murphy hasn't got a, a run yet. Um well she's sorry, she did um against TIP, I think, but like hasn't got a lot of game time she's another great player midfield so there is massive competition all over all over the field and I think that has stood to us we've had people get great game time in the league and particularly I think that's a good testament to management when there was only three round robin games in the league Um, whereas previously you know we might have had five or six so that's great to see and hopefully that will stand to us going into Championship, then now in, in the next few weeks because um, I think it's no longer a, a game of 15. You know, you're going to need 20, 22, or whatever um, players coming in on the day.
1: And we saw that the Cork used your your is it four or five subs against Donegal last week in, in the league semi final. What a cracker up in Tune. Just looking at the score there again 5 10 to 3 13, eight goals. A real Gold face there the car came out the right side of it uh what's the big takeaway the big learning and the big positive that you're taking away from that game Kira?
4: um I suppose the, the positive and it, it kind of is maybe in line with the Dublin game as well that you know if if we build up a lead and and if we lose it we have that fight back so obviously we went eight points up early in that game and we came back level at halftime but we did have another kick in us and and like that against Dublin when we went five up and then I think seven or eight down there was another kick in us and now where we didn't get over the line that day but I think that's a very big positive to take is that you know I suppose we're, we're never dead and buried and there is always a um, fight till the end in us so that was good to see um, obviously then lots to to work on as I said we were eight points up after probably 10 minutes or so and to give up that lead um, as easily as we did is something we'll have to to look at and try and improve going into the
1: league final now. Looking at the Mornebby contingent, you got three goals, three one the last day. Mara got a goal, Breed really got a goal, so you're flying the Mornebby flag. <laughs> uh,
4: yeah, so I think to be fair. Um, Breed has been—it's—it's it's no coincidence that Breed got in the water game, and again the last day um, in training she's been consistently one of the be- one of the best when we're doing the the one on ones and the most comfortable. Um, me and Maura maybe wouldn't be as comfortable um, in that scenario, so we're just happy to to see the green flag when we were we were going through. And to be fair, Maura struck her as very well. She gets a bit of stick maybe for not being that comfortable in front of goals, but she pulled out the left leg and stuck it very well. So, um yeah, it was a, a good day for the club, I suppose.
1: At Cork have had a fair few goals in the league so far. We defied against Donegal the last day, four against Dublin in Parkie Crive a couple of weeks ago. There was a couple down in, in Dungarvan as well. Is that uh, an emphasis on going for goals this year?
4: Yeah, it is something we've um, made a conscious decision of and I suppose not a conscious decision but just that we're more aware of looking back on matches from last year where we had goal chances and didn't even identify them as goal chances so it's not a case that they were saved or hit wide for a goal. We either went to tap the ball over or we hit it wide for a point so we have done a bit of work on identifying if there's an overlap that that's a goal chance and that in that case a point is Kind of a bad thing that you know that's worst case scenario you want a goal. and I think we're seeing the the rewards of that um in the league and you know we still work to to do in in that sense um I think I hand passed the ball over the bar the last day that possibly if someone across the middle that was a, a goal chance so um we definitely have stuff to work on and that but i think we are seeing the benefits of that focus that you know that management have brought this year in identifying goal chances as opposed to taking a, a handy point
1: i think you've three goals to your name in the league so how would you rate your finishing
4: yeah uh, um i'd say one of them at least anyway it was a tap in um a palm in, which would be probably where i'm um most accurate because once it goes to the boot, it could go anywhere. So, um, yeah, it's been lucky enough. I suppose we keep saying it doesn't matter who scores, and um, I think that everyone who's got their goal, it's been kind of nearly put on a plate by someone else, and and you just have the the job of finishing it. So, um, hopefully that will continue, and I think that's another reason why we have got so many goals because people aren't concerned with you know getting your name on the scoreboard. We all know that's not what it's about, or or that that's not what management are looking for. Um, and I think that has stood to us.
1: The prize for beating Donegal last weekend is a league final against Dublin on Saturday week in Croke Park at 7.30. I mentioned earlier, Kira. you had a a classic game there a couple of weeks ago in Park at Dublin eventually won that 3.15 to 4.11. But what were the big learnings that you took from that game?
4: Yeah, um, one of the things that hopefully we'll bring in uh, into the next day is uh, the disappointment because... I know it was only a league game Um, but, and, and when it finished you know everyone was saying we had a good fight back and we learn a lot from it and it's only league but when you're a player and the final whistle is gone and you've lost by a point it kind of it doesn't matter any of that doesn't matter you're just sickened to have lost so hopefully that bit of um disappointment and hurt will will come with us into the next day Um I think we did well in terms of, as I mentioned earlier, the, the kickback, you know, previously, maybe if Dublin got a run on us, um, they they could have ran out, maybe comfortable winners, but we we pulled back and we kept fighting to the end and had a, a chance off the post, you know, that could have gone over for a draw. So I think that would be very encouraging going in the next day that, you know, we're not going to give up. We're going to be there till the end and they're going to have their purple patch. Of course there you know, they're all Ireland champions, but just that, that we keep the head and know that there'll be um, a purple patch for us as well. So I thought that was very encouraging. And, and again, we did manage to, to create goal chances and to get some goal chances. So um, if we can do that again, and, you know, I think we, we missed a good few against Dublin. I know we got four goals, but we did, we did hit the keeper. You know, she, she had a great game that day, to be fair. Um, But, you know, if we were a bit more clinical in goals, are in front of goals, you, you could have been a different result. So um, I think if we build on that for the next day, um, we'd be in with a good shout.
1: Do you think this Cork team is getting closer to getting one over in Dublin and turning the tables on the Dubs?
4: Um, I'd like to, I'd like to think so. Um, anyway, and you know, I did an interview last week before the Donegal game, and um, a lot of the questions were about Dublin, which, um, you know. It's all well and good to be talking about Dublin, but I think the only people that you know can afford to focus on Dublin are Dublin. All the rest of us have to look in-house because there's there's loads of good teams in. You know, we only just got over the line against um, Donegal. Had a great battle with Waterford. You know, Galway Mayo. There's so many teams um, that are in with a shout. So I don't want to over-focus on on Dublin, but I suppose going into the league final against them now. Um, we would like to think we're, we're getting a bit closer to them. Um, I suppose the, the thing is that they're, they're always going to be trying to increase that gap um, by another bit, but I think the, the mentally what the, the game of the league would have stood to us massively in terms of that fight back and knowing that we are able to, to match them, and hopefully we can do that in two weeks' time.
1: You're going to give out to me now, but I'm going to ask another question about Dublin because it's just an interview I read on the 42, I think you did last week after winning the award. And it was a very interesting point you make here is about the physicality of the game and not being bullied in the game against Dublin. Do you think that's very important for, for, for Cork or for any other team for that matter, just, just to stand up against a team like Dublin?
4: I do. And I think a lot of the time what can happen against um, a team who, you know, are all Ireland champions for the last few years and who are obviously very good is that you kind of wait for them to take the game or bring the game to you instead of taking the game to them. And I think that's a big learning point for, for us. Um, I don't think we're any um, weaker or more unfit or less fit than Dublin physically. But I think at times we stand off and and let them, yeah, I suppose, bully us for want of a better word. Um I think we didn't do that in the league Um, in the, the league game a few weeks ago we really went at them and you know we won a lot of those 50-50 balls and we weren't standing back and no doubt they're going to up the intensity again for the league finals so we'll need to, to match that but I think that is an important point for us to to be aware of the fact that you know we're training as hard in the gym and doing all our S&C the same as they are and that a lot of it then when it comes to match day is about mental um mental strength and just being prepared to I suppose, put your your body on the line and be on you know knowing of the fact that that you can take the hit and I think we did that um two weeks ago and we'll have to up it again
1: going forward and like I was saying too Kira, this game is on in Croke Park on Saturday week and Croke Park is a ground that you're well used to you've played there a lot but for the younger members of the the Cork team how important is it for them to get into Croke Park and play as much as they can and almost normalise the experience of playing in Croke Park. I'm thinking of Eric O'Shea, Katie Quirk, the likes of Valeri, all these younger players that the more times they can play in Croke Park, it almost takes the miss out of the stadium so they become used to the big occasion up there.
4: Yeah, I, I do think it's uh, very important because you know, we're hoping to to be in with a chance later in the year to play in Croke Park and if you do... At that stage, hopefully, there would be crowds there, and it it can be very daunting for your first time playing in Co Park. I suppose um, we've been very lucky in recent years to have semi-finals, league finals, etc. There, so it is becoming more normalised to play there. But it is great for for younger players to to get that experience under their belt in maybe a league game as opposed to a championship game where there is a bit more pressure. So that'll be great. Um, I think I keep mentioning that for the younger girls, but I think. Anytime you play in Crow Park, it's a great honour and you still have maybe a bit more nerves before the match than you would ordinarily have. And they they leave the minute the match starts, of course. But um, yeah, I think that would stand to us going forward in Championship to to get those younger players um, used to playing in Croke Park.
1: So even for you, one of the most experienced players on the Cork panel, possibly the most experienced player, you still get the butterflies before a game in Crow Park?
4: Yeah, I get butterflies before every game. Um, yeah, I was awake at five now, Saturday morning before the, the Donegal game so I don't think it gets any easier the the older or more experienced you get. Um, but I think it, it's good to have nerves, maybe not if they're waking you at five, but in general it's good to, to have nerves, um, you know, it, it, if you channel them in the right way and as I said, all the time anyway, once the match starts, those nerves go out the window and you're just focused on the ball and trying to beat your player, but yeah, I definitely do um, get
1: nerves all the time. No, it's a huge game to look forward to on Saturday week and we'll all be, be cheering you on. So thanks so much Kira for, for joining us on the podcast again. You're becoming a friend of the show down here yeah. in West Cork. So thanks for giving us of your time and best of luck on Saturday week.
4: Thanks very much Karen. Thank you.
0: The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over fifty years.
2: Kieran, before we wrap things up, you might just give us a quick taster for what readers can expect in this week's Southern Star Sports section. Another packed edition, I have no doubts.
1: All hail the Bearhaven golfers. That's all I'll say, Jack. Um, what a historic day or a couple of days for the Bearhaven Golf Club team at the, at the AIG finals up in Donegal last week. They won the Jimmy Brune Shield final Um they beat Badless Glow in the semi final and then beat Baltimore in the final. So, this little nine hole golf club in Beira are All Ireland national champions, which is an incredible feat for the club. And um, I've caught up with a couple of team members for this week's Southern Star. They're on the front page, they have a full page inside. So, anyone from Bearhaven Golf Club listening to this, or anyone listening to this um, podcast who knows anyone in and around Castletown Bear and Bera, spread the word because this is a souvenir. Special for those all Ireland winning golfers. Um, like I said, a great feat for, for Bearhaven Golf. And hopefully we will have some of those team members on an upcoming podcast. So that's one to keep an eye out for. Plenty going on in this week's Southern Star, um, including the match report and reaction as Newcestown won the Carberry Junior B football final against Randall Ogue last weekend. Um, super win for Newstestown, a game of two halves. They were a couple of points down at halftime, but they held Randall scoreless in the second half while well, they took over to win by two ten to 2-4. So that's well worth checking out. We didn't touch on the Cork footballers yet in this podcast, but they beat Westmead to secure their Division 2 football league status for next year. It was a shootout up in Parky last Saturday afternoon. Um, Cork got the job done. They're going to be in Division 2 next year. But I have to say, Jack, it's a must be concerned to cough up 25 points again Against Westmead, and they also had a couple of goal chances too. So, if I'm just looking down the line at what possibly is coming in the Munster Championship, Cork really need to tighten up at the back, otherwise they could be in a bit of trouble. Um, we also have match reports and reaction from Cork's ladies football league win against Donegal. The Cork Camogie team bounced, oh, sorry, bowed out of the uh, league semi-final. Um, losing to Galway. The Cork Hurdlers also lost to Galway last weekend. Um, we also have soccer, live soccer back in the Southern Star. We have a match report from Lyre Rovers against green Rangers, which was on Tuesday night. School by Soccer came back with a bang last weekend, too. And also, I have a, a feature on Bandon Camogie Club's first ever senior adult team, which is a Superb for the club. The club was set up in 2017 with underage teams, and each year they're adding a new team and a new team. And now this season they've added an adult team to Bandon Camogie Club for the first time. The emphasis is on fun and fitness. And this is an important step for Bandon Camogie Club too, because up to now, players could play up to under 17 with the club. But if they wanted to continue and play adult Camogie, they'd have to leave and join another club. But now Bandon Camogie Club has given all their young members. An adult team to aim for so that's great news for bending camogie club so we've that and a lot lot more in an action-packed southern star
2: sounds great Kieran. and if you can't make it to a shop across west cork or further afield you can always subscribe to the southern star digital edition online just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and read the southern star on your computer tablet or a smartphone for less than two euro per week. What an absolute bargain. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Slon Toml.